Morning, Faith family. It's good to be with you today. And if you're new with us, we're especially glad to have you on board. Uh, this morning, we're going to hear songs led by Becky Dorn, Jeff Inman, Sarah Peters. Leah Denoso will talk with the kids. Angie Washington will read scripture. And we'll get to see a video of some family front porch pictures taken by Liz Polivka and Sam Gallahan. Now we're going to listen to some music, uh, some gathering music from David Gerard. So grab some coffee, gather up the kids, get yourself settled. And feel free to use this time to quiet your soul and bring yourself into the presence of God.
week we talked about the word love. This week we're going to talk about what a generous friend is. And I think those two go together perfectly because you can't really have a generous friend without love. What does generous mean to you? My parents used to say that a generous friend would give you the shirt off their own back. That meant to me that they would do anything for you or they would give you anything, including the clothes they were wearing. That's pretty generous. A generous person can give up their time, of their talents, the things that they're really good at, or even of money. Do you know of somebody like that in your life right now? I sure do. I've always known that my faith family at Faith Westwood is very generous. And when I was sick last year and had to have surgery, I was surrounded by that generosity and it was overwhelming. So today, I, instead of telling you all about that generosity, I wanted to show you what that generosity looked like. That generosity looked like 29 meals on the meal train. That's a lot of food. It was all really yummy too. It was over 25 gift cards to help with meals and groceries. It was hundreds of cards telling me to get well or giving me encouraging thoughts. It was special gifts and blankets like this one made by the kindergarten and first grade small group for me. It was rides to and from school and dance for Jameson when I couldn't drive. It was my friend Brody lending me Mo the sloth during my surgery. And it was my friend Mel who cleaned my house even when I was recovering from my surgery. So I wanna thank you, thank you, thank you all of you for your generosity and for all the love that we felt surrounded by during that time. It was, it was overwhelming. 
So I want you to talk to your family today about what a generous friend looks like and how we can continue to be generous friends and share that love of Jesus with others. All right, so until next time, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, amen. My uh, Speaking of generous friends, my friends Liz Polivka and Sam Gallahan um, have put together some front porch pictures that they've been taking for over a month. It's been so much fun to be working with them on this project and to get to see all of you families sitting on your front porches um, during this time when we can't be together. Uh, Miss Liz and Miss Sam have been so generous of their time and their talents. And Miss Liz put them all together in a video to share with you today. All right, I will see you again next week. And I love you and I miss you all. Enjoy the video. Bye. Lost your way, lost your cool, then you straight up lost your mind. Tried so hard to stay ahead, but you keep falling behind. Life is gonna pull you down, make it hard to see. But a little change in your point of view could be just what you need. There's always a reason to always choose joy. There's something deeper that the world can't destroy. Smile when you think you can't smile. Get up and dance, smile There's a bigger plan The storm only lasts for a while So smile Happiness is wonderful But it doesn't stick around Walking on sunshine Then here come the clouds You can laugh or you can cry When it all falls apart But I believe the more you laugh The more you heal the There's always There's a bigger plan and you've got a reason to smile When you think you can't smile Just clap your hands, smile There's a bigger plan you've got a reason to
of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I don't like to admit this, but I'm at an age where I kind of like to keep track of my retirement account. You know, in January, it was looking pretty good. And then in early February, wow, it was downright exciting. And then, of course, bottom fell out and, you know, the, the balance, you know, whenever I check it now, it's just discouraging. And for some of you, though, the crisis is a lot more serious. You've, uh, you've seen a big drop in your checking account. Maybe you've been laid off or your hours at work have been reduced, or your business is sinking. And it is scary. It's at times like these that uh, we're especially glad that we have a helping hands fund at Faith Westwood. It's one of the ways that we take care of each other. And if you need some help, let me know, or you can talk with Vicki O'Hara or Alan Hansen. I want you to know you're not alone. But one thing that Jesus tells me is that the balance of my retirement account or my checking account is not my bottom line. In God's kingdom, we have a whole new kind of bottom line. We just heard Angie read from Luke's biography about Jesus. Uh, earlier in the book, Jesus tells another story about a guy who just poured himself into his business. His business was his life. His business was his God. Times were good. Profits expanded. His business uh, expanded. Uh, one day he then just decided to hang it up, retire early, and enjoy the fruits of his labor. Ironically, that same night he died alone with nothing to show for his life but the wealth he had accumulated. And God said, what a fool. He was successful in building worldly wealth but not in building true wealth, eternal wealth. Jesus said, when you die, what good is it to, to have a bulging net worth when your relationship with God is empty? In today's parable, Jesus tells us how we can use worldly wealth for greater purposes. The story starts out like this. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So the owner hears from a reliable source that his manager is being wasteful. Now, we're not sure exactly what wasteful means, what was happening, but given the rest of the story, it may be that he was neglecting to collect what was due the owner. Maybe the manager had uh, been reassuring the owner that everyone who owed him had paid up. But the owner then finds out that this was not true. When the owner hears the news about his slacker manager, that's it. Verse 2. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. I imagine the owner also telling him, I want you back here at the end of the day with all your ledgers and receipts. And then you're done. That's it. I've made up my mind. The manager's, of course, totally freaked out. You know, verse 3, manager said to himself, oh, what, what, what shall I do now? My master's taking my job, taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. He knows his options are few. Who'd hire me to be their manager now? I mean, after being canned for being lazy and dishonest. Suddenly then, 
an idea pops into his head that just might keep him off the street. Verse 4. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He knows he has until the end of the day. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. They may have been farmer tenants who rented the owner's ground on contract and were behind on their payments. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. Does 900 gallons of olive oil sound like a lot to you? It does to me. I read that it would take 150 olive trees to produce that much oil. Maybe that was the rent owed the master, the owner. The manager sits at his desk and hands the olive farmer a pen and paper. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. In other words, he's using his last day on the job as a manager to give this person a 50% discount. What's going on? Well, scholars have identified a few possibilities. Uh, the manager might have been shortchanging the owner the, the full amount he was owed. Or the manager might have been subtracting the interest that the owner should not have been actually charging. Or the manager might have been subtracting his own commission from the bill. Well, any of them could be right. But here's the point. The person who owed the debt is thrilled, overjoyed. Wow, 50% off, that's great. And hey, I want you to know, I'll never forget this. If you ever need a favor, just let me know. The manager calls in then the second person and suggests a 20% discount off of a debt of a thousand bushels of wheat. Now, why this one gets a lesser discount? I have no idea. But the wheat farmer is thrilled. Wow, 20% off. And if you ever need a favor, wink, wink, just let me know. When the, when the manager shows up at the end of the day to return the ledgers and receipts, the owner quickly sees the entries that have been made that day and realizes what the manager has done. And here's the end of the story. The manager commended the the master commanded the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Shrewdly, that means he acted astutely, strategically. The Greek word can also be translated wisely. This is what people in business do. They build relationships. They network. The manager created friendships by doing favors. And Jesus said that you and I can learn from that. Not, not from the master's dishonesty, but from his strategic ways, his astute ways. That's why Jesus says in the rest of verse 8, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Jesus wants his disciples to be a bit more shrewd, more astute, more strategic and wise. But in what way? The answer is in verse 9. Here's how Jesus wants us to be more astute, strategic, and wise. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Okay, now what's he saying? Well, first let's focus on two words, gain friends. So I think Jesus wants us to make friends. 
Jesus made a lot of friends. It was it was key to his ministry. Yeah, he made some enemies too, but he made a lot of friends. You know, when Trish and I watched the video series, The Chosen, we especially liked how it portrayed the friendship between Jesus and his disciples. And we commented, you know, we wonder if, if these people ever imagined that the Messiah would be their friend, someone they would love. And how do we make friends? We make friends by being a friend. It's a big part of living out the good news. And the point of the parable is this. Use your worldly wealth, that is, your, your money, your material blessings, to be a generous friend who blesses others. Would you like to say that with me? Use your worldly wealth to be a generous friend who blesses others. And you know, doing that can be so much fun. Uh, using our material blessings to bless others fits so well with our blessed practices. Uh, you know, once in a while we talk about five ways to befriend someone who's still finding their way to God. And those five blessed practices are begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. If you do these five simple things, then you can leave the rest with God. God can handle the heavy lifting. It's God's job to change hearts. Your job is just to bless them. And you can use your worldly wealth as one way to do that. Uh, in mid-April, uh, I, you know, I buzzed my hair off, and it's grown out quite a bit already, don't you think? The gal who normally cuts my hair, I have not seen her since February. And I've been going to her once a month for the last nine years. She is one of the people I pray for. Never been a churchgoer, doesn't know much about Jesus. And sometimes she asks me to pray for maybe a family member. A couple of times uh, I picked up an order of crab rangoon from the restaurant next door and brought it in for all the stylists because I know they love it. It doesn't cost much, what, six bucks, but it is so appreciated. At this shop, they uh, have a rewards program. I suppose a lot of them do. I pay for nine haircuts and get the tenth one free. In, in December, I cashed in my card for a free haircut. I go, wow, Merry Christmas to me. Suddenly, though, an idea hit me. Why not give her the whole thing? I mean, the cash was in my wallet. So I handed her the money and I said, Merry Christmas. I hope you and your boyfriend can go out to eat. And she looked up at me with a big smile on her face. And there in front of all the other stylists and, and clients, she said, Can I give you a hug? I said, Sure. And, and what did it cost me? The price of a haircut. Let me tell you, it was the highlight of my day. And you know, you can do this. And I'm sure many of you already do this. Use your worldly wealth to be a generous friend who blesses others. More than a hundred of us at Faith Westwood are trying, committing to, to learn to be a blessed friend with someone who's still finding their way to God or to the church. I know one of you blessed friends got a hundred dollar bonus check in December and you cashed it and you gave it to your friend who was between jobs. Your friend has no church, no interest in church, but they trust you and they're thankful for you. And who knows what God might do with that gesture. I'm sure some of you have found creative ways to use some or all of your stimulus check to be a blessed friend. And I think, why not? 
I mean, I can't think of a better use for it than that. Can you? Use your worldly wealth. Use the blessings God has given you to be a generous friend who blesses others. It's hard to, for us to hear this sometimes, but, uh, you know, you're going to die. And all your worldly possessions will no longer be yours. And when Jesus welcomes you into his eternal kingdom, there will be a whole different kind of treasure waiting for you. Jesus talked a lot about receiving rewards. And what are those rewards? Well, I believe they are getting to see the people that you have influenced to have faith in Jesus. The impact that you're making now on people's lives, that will be your eternal treasure. And if they die before you do, they'll be there to welcome you into your eternal dwelling. And of course, you know, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any social distancing. Isn't that right? Amen? Anyway, uh, imagine being greeted by a line of people ready to hug you and thank you for all the things you did to change their lives. You know, the best reward I can imagine is having someone come up to me in heaven and say, you are part of the reason why I'm here. You are one of the people God used to bring me to Jesus. Thank you. Remember what Jesus said in verse 9? I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And, you know, if, if what you give, what you do, points them to Jesus, it might make an eternal difference. In the second half of Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells another parable, this one about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man doesn't have a name in the story. The poor man's name is Lazarus. Let me paraphrase this story for you. There was a rich man who wore $4,000 suits and ate meals prepared by his private chef. Life is good, except for one thing. There's this homeless guy who always camps outside the gate of his estate, holding up his cardboard sign. And this dude is gross, his, his face and body marked with oozing sores. Every morning, the rich man drives past him in his Italian sports car. There's no compassion in his heart for this panhandler. One day, poor Lazarus dies and was welcomed into heaven by Abraham, the father of faith. The rich man also dies, and he suffers the agony of regret for the way that he had lived. But now I want us to play the what-if game with this parable. What if the rich guy had realized his worldly wealth was an opportunity? What if he had learned Lazarus' name and brought breakfast out every morning to him and, and so the two of them could share it together? What if the rich guy gave Lazarus some medicine for his sores and even paid him to, to go run some errands for him? What if he had prayed for Lazarus? and asked Lazarus to pray for him, that, that God would have mercy on them both. And what if, when, when he died, Lazarus was there to welcome his new friend into heaven? I said it before, money is a test of character. Whether you have a little or a lot, money is a test. Will we trust God when we don't have enough? And when we have more than enough, Will we trust God and use it as He directs? 
Jesus said, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And how does God want me to do that? Use your worldly wealth to be a generous friend who blesses others. I know a couple from Faith Westwood who have been friends with a family that, that doesn't have a church. Uh, because of the pandemic, they, they can't go see this family or invite them over. So they got an idea. They sent him a text message, said, hey, is it okay if we order a pizza for you and have it delivered? And they replied, well, thank you, sure, that would be great. Now, will, what difference will this make? Who knows? That's up to God. But the couple believed it was money well spent, and it seems to have furthered the friendship. This Sunday, our mission focus is our Bless Friends Fund. We use it to uh, bless the neighborhood around our campus. For example, this Friday, we're going to provide lunch for the, all the staff at Central Middle School. Together, we're using this little bit of worldly wealth, pooling it together to be generous friends who bless others. We also use the Bless Friends Fund to help some uh, people and families struggling to pay a bill or two. So here's how it works if you want to be a part of this. If you have a friend in need, someone you're praying for who lives locally and doesn't have a church, contact Holly Timberlake with your request. Let me, let me say it again. It's very simple. If you have a friend in need, who does, someone who doesn't have a church, someone you're praying for, someone who lives locally, contact Holly and let her know. Uh, her email address is on our website and our blessed team can make approvals very quickly and we'd love to help. I want to end the message today by asking you to give this a try this week. Uh, maybe call it an experiment. Do one thing this week to use your worldly wealth, a little bit of the money you have, to be generous, to be a generous friend and bless someone. Now, what ideas? What could you do? Maybe send some flowers. Or uh, write a note of uh, appreciation and mail it along with a gift card. Order lunch for somebody and have it delivered. Buy a Bible for someone who's interested in reading it. If you're lucky enough to find some hand sanitizer at the store, pick up an extra bottle for them. Uh, you could order DVDs of The Chosen if you think they'd like to watch it. Drop off a box of donuts on their doorstep or steaks, whatever. But again, I want to say, don't send anything to me and, and don't do this for each other because this is an experiment to do it for someone that you believe might not be walking with Jesus right now. Show them some love. And don't be afraid to spend a few bucks and, and show a little generosity. Use your worldly wealth to be a generous friend who blesses others. I'd like now to lead us into a time of guided prayer. Uh, you may want to close your eyes or gaze at the image on the screen. Let's pray. As we begin, Breathe slowly and deliberately and thank God for the gift of life. Remember one of the last gifts you received from a friend or family member. What was it and who gave it to you?
Recall how you felt receiving this gift. How did you feel? Now ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind someone you know who appears, as far as you know, to not be walking with Jesus at this time. It might be a friend, a relative, an acquaintance, a neighbor, a co-worker. Who do you see? Ask the Spirit to create a, a scene, a picture in your mind of, of you surprising this person with a gift that is appropriate for the relationship. Can you picture what the gift is? How does this person respond to receiving the gift? Pray for this person now, that in the weeks to come, they will see glimpses of God's goodness in you. And pray for this person that the Holy Spirit will, will lead them to be curious about Jesus. And now let's join together and pray the prayer Jesus taught us, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I am a friend of God, he calls me friend. 
you to go to faithwestwood.com slash service. There you can fill out a connection card. You can send in a prayer request. You can give to our 2020 ministry fund and to today's mission focus, which as I said earlier, is our Bless Friends Fund. Next Sunday's message will be about how God enables us to stay strong in life's challenges. And now may God the giver of all good gifts be with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, Faith Family! Hi, Faith Westwood people. We sure miss seeing all of you. Hope you're staying in and stay safe and stay, stay connected. connected. We love you all.